0: That's a very good question, because that's uh, something I'm always uh, asking myself, and it's always changing. Every single month, I have a different opinion. And so, I can tell you what is my opinion right now, and maybe it will be a different opinion (laughs) in a couple of months. Um, Right now, I think what matters the most is the relevance of the technology we are developing. And so from this perspective, I think the artistic aspect is more uh, important right now because uh, creating a weird or uncanny technology, that's also, uh, like the, when the, the people, the, the, everybody see that, they will question their own interaction with technology. And they will question their own desires of technologies. And that's something today that I think is really relevant. And, and from this perspective, an art piece in the museum can question more the use of technology than a research paper. But right now, there is also this uh, the thing that... Do we need to always push technology and technical innovation, or high technical innovation? And that's something that i really questioning. That's why I'm trying to explore, uh, as I said at the beginning of this podcast, uh, new materials and alternatives that might may, may be a bit more uh, sustainable, but also a bit more resilient into the way the robots behave, into the way robots look and feel.
1: In this podcast, I'm sharing my passion and curiosity for soft robotics, where we share inspiring stories about the work we do and how we can push the limit. I am Mara Dweeney, and this is Soft Robotics Podcast. Support for this show comes from Science Robotics Journal. I really find science robotics to be a great resource for reliable and tangible research, where we can really push the limit of the science we do in robotics great way to stay up-to-date with the published article is checking out the released monthly issue. All the links will be included in each episode description. We will also happen to have a regular conversation on the most published science robotic articles, where also you can contribute with your questions and thoughts about their research. Thanks, Science Robotics, for sponsoring Soft Robotics Podcast. I would like to ask you how I would like to define yourself for the people first time listening to you i would like to define yourself
0: so i have a a mixed a mixed uh, profile so i come from a design background art and design background and i learned the the ways of fab lab digital fabrication then i moved slightly to hci to human computer interaction and during my phd and my postdoc in hci i learned how to work with material with soft materials with silicone and I made several contributions in, in human-computer interaction, but also in fabricating uh, soft sensors uh, and, and soft anthropomorphic interfaces. So the core of my, of, my, of my work so far is halfway between fabrication, design, and human-computer interaction.
1: Mm-hmm. Great. So maybe I'm curious to ask you, since you have this different expertise if you look at soft robotics what maybe it's still challenging or maybe granted challenges if you look that's something maybe not connected or very challenging still
0: so to me the, the one of the main challenge of soft robotic is not the control or actuation anymore i think but the challenge is the materials and and i think now we need to me to to move beyond the traditional uh, materials used for sub robotics, which are silicon. Uh, why? Well, uh, I think there is going to be some challenging times ahead of us in the next like 20 or 30 years from now. And, and there are plenty of new materials that are rising, the new fabrication processes. And I'm thinking here of um, bioplastic or all biodegradable materials. And now the question is like how to make uh, soft, uh, elastic, stretchable or actuated interfaces made of new materials. So that's one that I think that's one main challenge, w- one of the main challenge for soft robotics. Uh, I see a second challenge, which is in the, the look, the aspect uh, and the design. That's where where I express myself more artistically and, and I think Everything related to bio-inspiration, but not in terms of functionalities, but also in look and feel, that's something very crucial for the social acceptability of soft robotic interfaces. And that's something that that that's some knowledge that needs to be borrowed from art, science, design, and that needs to be embedded into uh, soft robotic research and material science research.
1: hmm I really like your approach, and I think you have this kind of, I don't know, unique touch, I believe, in what you do. I can feel that in, in your work. But maybe I'm curious to ask you in the first part of the actuation. What, for example, in soft robotics field, we speak about pneumatic actuation. Sometimes it could be bulky. And what is you, your take on actuation, firstly, in soft robotics? Since your end goal is to create something that can have this connection with human and be socially accepted as well, but in the actuation itself, what's your take on what's actually done so far?
0: On actuation, well, well, I, 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 that that's a difficult question because actuation obviously there are several ways to do that, and as you know, there are every ways have pros and cons. Uh, I think pneumatic uh, actuation is very rooted in the field since a long time, and. Now, for sure, the the pumps uh, and the valves are getting smaller, but the, the main uh, I would say the main uh, issue we s- are still facing is the like the air, air compressors. We need we need some uh, we need space to run a pneumatic actuation. Now there are all those um, polymers that can do shape change. You know you might be familiar with. Uh, shape uh, memory alloy that can be embedded into the materials to to change the form. That's also a, a nice way to to, to provide uh, actuation. And what I think is that's when a lot of work remains to be done into the electroactive polymers. And especially now, to my knowledge, the EAP have been explored well with silicon substrates but i think the the past few years we gain a deeper understanding of 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 uh, carbon like graphene graphene carbon nanotubes uh, all those type of materials that couldn't be done easily uh, before now that can be done more easily they have some interesting uh, mechanical and electrical properties and mixing that with other uh, materials and biomaterials can lead to new ways of actuation but but actuation is not uh, uh, I would say it's not something uh, I am personally interested in my research, uh, like the means of actuation, because I rely on the work of others to do that. Um, however, uh, I am collaborating with uh, some colleagues here uh, in Paris, in uh, Université Pierre Marie Curie, uh, that are developing new ways of conforming and forming the materials. To minimize the the the, the inputs, the, in, the 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 air in in a flow, the the input airflow, and to maximize the shape uh, movement and the shape outcome. So it's it's another way of thinking uh, the optimization of the the, the the actuation by thinking how we can mechanically optimize the shapes to uh, minimize the actuation.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. that's very interesting one can I elaborate more here because now you bring another element I, I would ask about the material but before going to the material part now you mentioned the shape or architecture and the energy if we can say here the pressure and I find this interesting concept that to minimize the pressure and maximizing the, the shape if I understood can you tell us more about that
0: uh, yeah so it, it's a work uh, made by uh, Benoît Armand on what he called baromorphic materials so it's like optimizing the air channel within the shapes to create some some complex uh, volumetric uh, shapes out of uh, sheet materials so it's really like the, the 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 movement from one dimension to two dimension while optimizing the 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 input and and that obviously uh, it's some some like uh, you know some some highly mathematical and and, and highly uh, uh, theoretical work that uh, that have their their prototypes made physically and and my role uh, in this work is to take this technology, those concepts those formulas and to to create objects uh, and interaction out of it. And so right now I am involved in uh, several projects and one of them, uh, consists of making some uh, some uh, shape-changing drones out of uh, out of um, made out of helium. I mean, all those kind of technologies that was used before uh, that were complicated complicated to make. Now we can we can rethink how to make them, how to build them, uh, thanks to those tools. And there is another uh, challenge in 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 using those. Uh, optimized uh, technology, the air flows. It, it, it's difficult to describe because it's uh, very visual uh, but basically uh, a shape can be made o- out of really tiny uh, tiny air pockets as you know, <laughs> that's soft robotics. Uh, but by changing the, the localization, the, the width, uh, the thickness, of those channels, uh, you can you can um, you, you can optimize the, the the shape and the mechanical output, and and basically those forms they look like a maze maze of lot of channels airflows, and uh, we are developing some digital fabrication tools to 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 to, to guide designers uh, to help designers making the shape they want. I mean, all of that is very uh, confusing, but it's uh, some uh, early, 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 early prototypes uh, and that's something related to, to the, the, the energy uh, that, are, that, that is crucial for soft robotic.
1: Great. So I want to go back for your main goal as a designer. Now your goal is to design something, maybe, as we said, connecting with human. Can you tell us more about the design process? What's the first step you're looking for in the design? But since maybe the last stage is not considered uh, maybe commonly in soft robotic, but can you tell us more about the design? What's the first thing that's significant to you in the design?
0: Okay, so, so my main uh, interest in how I went to, to the soft robotic fields, despite my, my will almost, is that um, so originally I wanted to create some artificial skin. Artificial skin for robots and soft, for soft robots. But the tricky part, as you know, it's to embed the sensor in the in the material itself because because silicon uh, it's it's difficult to work with it can tear uh, it, it it needs to stretch but some uh, hard component cannot stretch within that and that was uh, the main challenge so the thing is we do know that the human skin the human body it is something stretchable it is something uh, that has embedded sensors, in a way, right? That's our nerves, our nerve cells. And so I figured like that, okay, why not doing uh, biomimetism? Not uh, not just to reproduce the mechanical uh, aspect, but also uh, all the sensing aspects, the layers, how they are made, how they are composed, their viscosity, and so on. So, uh, to go back to your question, uh, what I made, uh, what I'm making in my in my project is that I'm always using the human as starting point of my research. The human or, or the animals. So, I, I, I start by having a, a deep uh, look at, okay, in case of... Of artificial skin, I'm trying to have a look at um, how, how the, the skin is made of uh, in humans, what are the different layers, what are those layers, uh, viscosities, mechanical properties, what are the those skin layers, what are their impacts on the sensing, and I'm trying to do that also to look at animals, uh, okay, from insects to uh, mammals, what are the differences, why do they work uh, like that, and what is the impact of the the mechanical impact on the on the sensing. And then uh, I'm trying to look only at the material aspects. So uh, for artificial skin, uh, so the human skin is roughly composed of three different layers. We have the epidermis on top. The epidermis, the, that's where we have the, the, to put it quickly, the, the pigmentation and also the surface tex- textures. In the dermis, we have mainly our nerve cells and all our sensing cells. And then we have this layer of epidermis, uh, hypodermis, which is uh, mixed between muscles and, and body fat. And basically, you can represent this, the, the skin as, as this sandwich of, of three layers. And so what I did in wo- my work was to systematically try different materials to reproduce the epidermis, the dermis, and the hypodermis. So I started by, by exploring the top layer, which is Here I'm not talking about uh, sensing, I'm not talking about actuation, I'm just talking about the pure, like, visual aspect and the the, the kinesthetic aspect, the kinesthetic properties. Because uh, what matters for human skin is the surface textures, it can be the the pigmentation, it can be the the human hair that that, that, that plays a very important role both for sensing and also for, for, for perception. So, um, I looked at various silicones, obviously, uh, to create this this, this layer, the ways to create some textures that is very uh, human-like. And so, once I had this done, I moved to another layer. So, I the layer under, which is dermis, how to reproduce it, what is the, the, its viscosity, its young modulus, how it behaves to stretch, um, and how to put sensors within it. Which, which is tricky, uh, as, as the, the other researcher might know. And, and then similarly, the hypodermis, which is uh, like a body... Uh, like something like, like body fat and muscles, that's, that obviously it has different, totally different uh, viscosity, it's more viscous. Uh, it has different mechanical properties, and yet it is very crucial, this layer is very crucial for interaction. Because if you think of uh, an interaction, if I want to touch an, an artificial skin, I want, I want it to behave like human, the, the, like the human skin. And how does the human skin behave? Well, if I press it, it's kind of soft, squishy, my finger is, is, is inside, or I can pinch it, I can pinch it, I can turn it, I can twist it. Which which are gestures that does that are, that needs some specific materials, and so this is my approach. And then comes the the, the 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 sensing part. So how to how to create sensing, and so I looked at the different uh, like nerve cells that compose the human skin. I try to find the the tactile acuity. Yeah. So how much is needed to sense then what should i sense should i sense only human touch human contact what does the human body sense so i looked at that and uh how do we implement that in terms of technology and here that's where the my 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 designer my my, my chip designer side <laughs> comes in and and i i really hate uh complicated technologies because because that's something i cannot afford and that's something that i found like yeah that's not something I want so i I try to look at at the ways uh, to sense in our surrounding and and we are lucky because we have a lot of sensing interfaces and that's the phones that are right there and so and so uh my approach after dissecting uh, the human body uh into those different layers I try to dissect the technology into like those different pieces and so uh, the skin of the smartphone and the mobile device, it's, it's, it's made uh, to sense right? the, 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 the screen. And so I tried to look at uh, what type of technology is inside. So it's usually mutual capacitance, so it's a technology that allows to sense uh, human touch. And so what I did, I, I really I, I stripped off some components from a broken smartphone and I tried to make some, some PCBs uh, out of that to, to, to multiplex the channels. And to put that inside silicone, and and, uh, roughly uh, for for a project of artificial skin, I found that uh, if I can put some uh, very cheap, uh, very easily available um, stretchable conductive yarn within the silicone, so it's stretchable, so it can retain, it can it can maintain the 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 fantastic properties, stretchability and elastic properties of the silicone, and it is conductive. Which is perfect to perform uh, mutual capacitance sensing. And so, and so, uh, to go back to your question, my, my approach is uh, dissecting, Dissec- dissecting, and re- reproducing both uh, the human body and the existing technologies, and I try to combine them to combine that in a in a, yeah, in a easy and cheap uh, and cheap way.
1: Mm-hmm. Interesting. So maybe mm-hmm. a couple of questions. The first part of the replicating the different layers of skin the three layers. Can you tell us more about that interface between because I think in soft robotics we still have this kind of issue of the interface between different materials structure? For you, what's the technique to make sure the interplay with each other or coupled with each other in a way so that you can have a homogeneous skin?
0: Um, so usually so if you bind silicon and silicon, it's binding very well. So that's that's not an issue. The issue is to bind uh, non-silicon with hard materials, the, and then so if I want to put this skin on top of another, and so I have two uh, main principles that I use. First, the viscosity of the silicone itself. Uh, if I use a very uh, tacky silicone that remains a bit like wet and, and tacky, I can just simply put uh, this uh, some artificial skin or some sensing uh, layer on top. Of a hard part, and it's going to stay kind of stuck there. I mean, obviously, if you if you remove it, it can it can <laughs> it's going to be removed. But that's something that uh, that I usually do. And the second technique, it's directly casting uh, on top uh, of the material and making sure that the hard material has some holes, some some mechanical uh, elements that uh, can the silicone can grip onto. And and that is great because uh, I separate the sensing layer from the this like viscous uh, layer. So uh, that's a good opportunity to make the two separated, and then I can sandwich whatever uh, material with whatever material. Basically, that's that's how I do.
1: Why separated? Uh, can you print more? I didn't get it. why separate.
0: Why separated? Because. Uh, If I go back to the description of all those different layers, uh, that's something I made by stack. I made one stack uh, is the epidermis, the top layer. One other stack is the dermis. And one other stack is the the hypodermis, the tachy fat layer. And those different stacks uh, can all have different properties that can be made out of different silicones. They can have different... Um, different uh, mechanical aspect or visual aspects. And so it's meaning that I can uh, eventually like exchange uh, those layers. I mean, it doesn't make sense, but I, I could do that. And I can also cast those layers directly onto the mechanical pieces. And that's where that's where the, the fun part begins, mm-hmm. usually. Yeah.
1: yeah. I think it was interesting about the sensors, because uh, I saw the videos you, you already did about square lattice sensing. That square lattice. And I want to ask you, since you mentioned you tried to understand how the, maybe the nerve or the sensing in human body or the skin, do you think it has the same architecture, square lattice? And have ever you thought about other representation beyond the square lattice? I will mention something. I think in one of papers and in, uh, in, in guest here in the podcast, he, he mentioned that if you use complex pattern, it would be maybe more interesting than a square lattice. And since you have been trying to understand the skin, can yes, tell you tell more
0: about that? Th- that's something I, I, I deeply believe too. And something interesting uh, as anecdote is that we have those a lot of uh, nerve fibers located at the bulb of our hair, of body hair, of forearm hair. And, and so that's interesting because the hair grow at random spots, and yet that we have all those nerve cells around the, the bulb. And and obviously. It is much more difficult to make uh, in a fab lab, or uh, to make in a very DIY way, uh, something with random uh, sensor locations. Why? Because the lattice, it's uh, easier to solder. It's, it's, it's easier to, to control, basically. And if I, if, so I, there are technologies, there are ways, uh, and I experiment with them to put some random dots, random body hair, Conductive hair, like you can think of that like hair, and to connect all of that in a huge, in a huge uh, sensor uh, sensor interface, sensing interface, and I could have decent results. But uh, making a mattress takes like five minutes, and and placing every single uh, every single uh, hair by hand it takes a lot of time. Uh, that's that's that matters to me, uh, like so. It is possible to make that, and I think uh, we will have a similar tactile acuity, but we could sense, I think, uh, maybe more interesting elements of the of the environment. Like, but that's something. To me, the what matters is the accept uh, accessibility barrier of the technology, and that's something that that I struggled a lot when reading a material science paper. That uh, if if it's not accessible with a lab, if it's only accessible with a lab that costs like $1 million, that's that's not a technology that could be reproduced uh, by every, by everybody. And making something easy, understandable, and, and, and cheap, it's also a nice way to, to give this technology to students, to master students, to PhD students, that will be more creative and have more application scenarios and use this technology onto like different materials and so on. So. Mm-hmm. so yeah.
1: I thought so that you was when I'm looking for example the project polycenter and how it's maybe open source, I, I like this way of disseminating what you do. And you mentioned the paper and material science. Um yeah, there are some great paper, but sometimes it's hard to replicate, so you don't know how it's how it's done. There's something missing. What yes. is your what is your take on that? Do you envision so, something between so yeah. here?
0: So that's that's something we had in mind for Polysense uh, project. So Polysense project, it's basically to make uh, any fabric conductive. So we coat we can coat any fabric with a uh, 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 thin layer of carbon particles. And that the issue uh, my colleague had is that so usually to make some uh, conductive uh, clothes to make some uh, yeah, sensitive clauses, we can create some matrices. And we have this layer of piezo-resistive material within a sandwich of electrodes. And this, uh, traditionally, uh, it was a textile material uh, called uh, Ionix, I think. And something like five years ago, the manufacturer stopped to make it. And so there, there, there was a, a shortage, and we couldn't do those matrices anymore. And then my, my colleague uh, Cédric Connet. He was he was really upset about that, <laughs> and and so he took a piece of um, of uh, this conductive fabric and he went to a material science lab in in Portugal and he said, oh, I want to make that. Uh, can you look at what is inside and how it is made of? And so they had this huge uh, machine that could like the you know the material science uh, equipment that cost the uh, millions to precisely look at the amount of of uh, molecules materials and particles that were inside this and the trick uh, was there were some simple ways to do that for material scientists that costed obviously a large amount of equipment and one of challenge was for us uh, and for for my uh, colleague Cédric was to make that in a kitchen in a fab lab and then that's how we kind of with this, uh, with this uh, simple material uh, solution, mixing, uh, I don't remember the chemicals, but uh, iron, chloride, and, and something else, whatever. And the whole process, we wanted to make the whole process very simple. Like you can throw your fabric in a washing machine, you mix with the two products, uh, you mix ex- you mix it for half an hour you you re- you remove it from the washing machine and then you have some materials that are conductive that are coated with a thin layer of uh, of carbon particles. and so obviously because some materials have uh, interesting me- mechanical properties like a textile which is woven so obviously when you stretch it when you pinch it it has some pizza resistive be- behavior that we can use. and so, all of that, this, this whole approach, that's something just I want to make that clear. It's like it's from a design, DIY, and HCI perspective. And that's not something that we we precisely characterize. That's just another tool we want to give to students, to master's students, to PhD students, uh, for them to, to try to use and to, to explore. Yeah.
1: That's a good point. Maybe before going to the material, I want to ask you here because... You have been mentioning how to get come up with creative solution. And I'm curious to ask you because I think the, if you have a problem, for example, whether in the material or maybe architecture, and for example, you mentioned taking the sensing part from the iPhone, for example, old one, and I think that's a creative thing. But I want to ask you for something, a problem, because I think in the fields of robotics, um, that's my opinion, there's two approaches for solutions, a problem. Maybe you have a deeper, deeper look, and then you come up with really interesting solution. And maybe the other solution, it worked, but maybe not applicable in the sense that you need something, you can use it and be realistically, realistic solution. And sometimes, yeah, for example, you try to make something connected with human. Sometimes you try to do something, work for maybe, yeah, just short time, uh, amount of time. So there's different to be honest I feel there's different uh, approaches and for you the creativity when you try to find solution how do you think about that in this so, field
0: so I, I think the, 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 the that comes to the way uh, everybody should define like everybody define themselves and I, I don't want to put myself within a research field because uh, being within a specific research field it's somehow like 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 trying to Cut you to cut your your knowledge from other, other fields mm. and so i i rely on a mixed research approach like very interdisciplinary so i don't want to stop in material science but i want i will look at some material science paper even if i don't understand anything uh, i'm looking into uh, robotics uh, robotics traditional mechanical robotics that are very crucial, uh, soft robotics, obviously I've been looking in human-computer interaction, in digital fabrication, and I think by looking at all those fields, they all come up with different uh, types of solutions. And that's really what matters, it's the typology that people use to, to, to find a solution, and what are the questions they, they, they want to solve by their contribution. And by looking at that, you can see that in HCI, uh, the researchers are cre- creating user-centered design tools. Uh, in material science uh, or in, in soft robotics uh, or robotics, uh, researcher are creating their own machine to create other machines. Uh, in in uh, material science, uh, it's something like really uh, like to me at least, it's uh, more technical, grounded into uh, prior knowledge uh, of of uh, of materiality and in the mechanical aspect of the object. And by looking at all that, uh, I try to, f- to 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 get to the research methods they use. I try to use the research method they use, and and then I come up with ideas. And, and something, how to do that easily, uh, I'm not doing that by myself, it's just like collaborating. I have colleagues in material science, I have colleagues in, um, in like various domains, and you know, by going to conferences, by uh, going out uh, in, uh, in bars here in Paris, when it was allowed, uh, you, could, you could have like rich, very rich discussion, very creative discussions. And uh, you, you could think creative, uh, creativity as a muscle, right? And 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 that's a muscle you do have to train, especially uh, like the the young researchers that are listening to this podcast. I think that the, like every every problem is solved by by being creative. That that's how you solve problems At some point you need to be creative, and that that like training that I don't know doing like artistic expression. Uh, that's something also that that I'm doing that fa- favors this serendipity, and. Another aspect uh, how I, I can come up with those different approaches is that I, I'm, I'm resigned not to fail. I, 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 I cannot accept the failure. And I think there is always a way to do something. And, and if I go back to the project and the, the sensing technologies that develop, I had like countless, countless, countless uh, failed fail attempts. I think, I think I have a, I have a box Full of, of I think thirty or forty failed prototype of artificial skin. That some of them were with uh, single sensor, some of them with were were FSR, some of them used other materials than silicone, some of them use conductive textile. I a mean, lot a lot of failed uh, uh, prototypes. But I keep digging. I, I keep to try to go around the technical uh, problems I had and so. So yeah, so. To put it simply, what matters it's the analytical skills. But the analytical skills you can develop by looking at other communities, other projects, other, other approach, uh, approaches and research methods. And that's something important.
1: That's great. Maybe since you mentioned the, the process to come up with what you have already now, when you look to the structure, what you did to resemble the human skin, what's maybe missing still? Do you think the materials so far is... Yeah, you mentioned there's a need to push here. But if you can list the limitation or missing pieces here to resemble exactly what what you have in nature.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think it in overall in the, the, the robotics paper, the the tangible aspects is something that uh, researchers do not explore much. And that plays a huge role... Uh, like the tangible and the visual aspect, like when a, when an interface, what does it looks like, how it behaves, when you touch it, how does it feel when you touch it. Uh, that's something that that matters. So for my project, that's why I try to reproduce the the, the wrinkles, uh, the pigmentation, uh, the veins, uh, and so on. Uh, in, in my current uh, my current prototypes, what's missing is that I still don't have some typical human features, which is sweat, uh, heat, uh, human hair, like all of that, that you don't realize that is this crucial, but when you touch someone else's skin, that's something that you, you know should be there, and you know it's there, that's some, that's some, some tacit knowledge of what it looks like that you, you, uh, you acknowledge. Basically, it comes to the affordances uh, of an object. Uh, affordances of uh, an actuated interface does it look like an actuated interface and if i touch it does it feel like it's something that should look like an actuated interface
1: mm-hmm. yeah. so what does it take to achieve that do you think you mentioned material part firstly what kind of feature do you think is still missing in the material you're using now besides that as well maybe something about the material as well
0: so the material uh, so the features of the material it's it's uh, what i said so to have heat so uh, there's uh ways to do that right putting resistance within the materials uh, putting peltier salt within the materials uh with like temperature or, or humidity there's something much more tricky because as you know silicon it's not like it's uh, yeah <laughs> it's difficult to create some some humidity out of uh, of silicon that's something that is uh, crucially missing uh, and for the other type of uh, other types of soft robots uh, that I see in the literature uh, yeah I think what's missing it's more like the, the, the form the molding some, the, I put some effort into creating some, some molds that are not exactly flats that have some bumps that have some organic features and that's something that should be a bit more explored maybe in the, in the, in the field because it, it matters, obviously, for social acceptability, for interaction, and even for actuation.
1: Mm-hmm. Great. So I'm guessing that process, is there something that was counterintuitive, the, the way of the design, if you ca- can share some interesting... aspect the, from the book, you say the failure steps until you get what you have. Is this something that was interesting or maybe counterintuitive? Wow, I, I didn't know that should be working that way. Mm. you have these interesting moments or counterintuitive to what you thought should work
0: yeah yeah that, that yeah i see what you're what you're saying the the, the 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 yeah my approach is to think of the technology f- look and feel first right and, and 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 i don't care how it can be actuated i don't care uh, how it will behave i don't care uh how it, I will uh, how i will characterize it how the sensor will behave what I do care is that does it look something socially acceptable? Does it look like something uh, that does it look like what it should look like <laughs> if I'm making that uh, into a robot? And then, then as a second step, I'm trying to figure out what is the technology that can be developed to make. I think, that.
1: It, yeah. yeah, maybe I, am I, I, not sure if you get my my question. I was asking if there's something was counterintuitive. To the way of thinking about the design. I well, don't know if you get
0: well, know. I think that's the counterintuitive part, right? The counterintuitive okay. part is, uh, I mean, to me, it's not to think technology first, right? It's oh, it's, okay. It's, it's, okay. it's to think uh, aspect first, and also okay. uh, it's to think of the purpose of the technology, and and that's something. So I'm I'm not uh, necessarily creating developing technologies to make some uh, research or scientific contributions. But I'm also I, I also see technologies as a critical design tool to help uh, speculate on the future of interfaces on the look of interfaces, and that's something that is really valuable into different communities. Is to say okay, like you know that's not the typical uh, sentence at the end of the papers like oh we should do. Look deeper in the social acceptability of a robot or whatever, but I'm I'm f- using that as a starting point and 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 see like like developing something like that. I see it's see it's creepy, it's uncanny, it's weird because it's super realistic. It feels realistic. It sense like realistically. Uh, oh, by the way, it's made like that. But but should we have that? And what can we do with that? And what does it mean for the future of technology? And that's something. That's where the counterintuitive. Place. So, I cannot tell you how my brain is wired. I'm, I'm, maybe it's wired in <laughs> <laughs> the wrong way, <laughs> but yeah, that's my approach to design and to materiality.
1: Mm-hmm. That's interesting part. I want to go back again this loop, the material, and you have the shape or architecture of the skin, and you have the sensing, and you have the artistic part, mm-hmm. so this component. When you look to them, which one is significant? In that case, for you?
0: That's a very good question. Because that's uh, something I'm always uh, asking myself. And it's always changing. Every single month, I have a different opinion. And so I can tell you what is my opinion right now. And maybe it will be a different opinion (laughs) in in a couple of months. Um, Right now, I think what matters the most is the relevance of the technology we are developing. And so from this perspective, I think the artistic aspect is more uh, important right now, because uh, creating a weird or uncanny technology, that's also um, like the, when the, the people, the, the, everybody see that, they will question their own interaction with technology. And they will question their own desires of technologies. And that's something today that I think is really relevant. And, and from this perspective, an art piece in the museum can question more the use of technology than a research paper, right? And so, yeah. And, and so right now, that's that's what I believe. Like like few months ago, I believe that 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 creating some open source tool, open hardware tool for the students and for the PhDs and for the for the researchers uh, was the way. To to, to to enhance uh, technology, but right now there there is also this uh, the thing that do we need to always push technology at, and technical innovation or high technical innovation? And that's something that I really questioning. That's why I'm I'm trying to exploring, uh, as I say at the beginning of this podcast, uh, new materials. And alternatives that might be a bit more uh, sustainable, but also a bit more resilient into the way the robots behave, into the way robots look and feel.
1: Yeah. Mm
0: -hmm. But that's. Uh, Maybe
1: a quick question. Yeah, Yeah. go ahead,
0: sorry. No, no, I just wanted to say that that's something (laughs) that is always evolving. Uh, It depends on the. Like on the, the news feed, <laughs> I'm reading, and on the technologies I see that are that are employed at large scale, and that also depends at where I want to to contribute. And ba- basically, it's an ethical ethical question and ethical position mm. that I'm trying to find here. Yeah.
1: I, yeah, yeah, I really like the part when you say that before art may be expressed more than a research paper, and you, you're the first one I can hear the statement about expressing that. Aren't you afraid? That, because I think in maybe it's a majority, the research paper, it's uh, first thing. But now you m- mentioned something, I think, interesting. Are you maybe, I don't know, afraid of this way of thinking? Because it's not traditional, maybe? Um,
0: I, I, I could be afraid of how the peers are seeing my work. Because it's weird, it's uncanny, and it's unusual. And it yeah. might not fit into the research canon. That's something that that I could be afraid. Yet I am not. Uh, why? Because so. First, when I released my uncanny project, and now I have like a human, uh, realistic human, uh, human-like eye. I mean that it's really like visual and very strong, very emotional uh, pieces. And so obviously there is a lot of comments online, and I got a lot of like mean comments or like people asking like, oh, why this guy is doing that? He's crazy or whatever. And and for from the research peers, I also had a bit this, uh, this, this this those questions uh, for the for the for the few years the the first project the creepy project I made like people were, oh, why why you are doing that and, <laughs> and this guy should be shy. But now I, I'm I'm not I'm not uh, afraid i'm I'm okay to fit in in not uh, i'm I'm okay to not fit in any case like predefined case because what I do love about this position that I have right now is that you know when people see my work whether they like it or they don't like it they have an emotional reaction and that's something that truly matters to me and 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 obviously because it's i'm a researcher i i want to characterize my technology i want to to disseminate the technology so i'm trying to make some i'm making some serious work uh, out of that so i'm not afraid of being judged because i know that the work like the technical work behind that is solid at least i try to make it solid but uh but you know it, it's quite fun research is also about fun right I, I i want to create things that are fun to me so i'm making that fun yeah
1: yeah yeah i agree with you so if you question left but i want to ask you since we have mentioned this component and the first example we mentioned that the shape and the energy if you minimize the energy with a shape if we apply that to the skin here how do you see you can embed intelligence without using for, for example like complex shape for sensor whatever just to be simple and intelligent without many components so can I, you see this applied yeah i
0: really believe in the the power of how um, to say that of the um, like all the, those low power circuits you know like uh, rfid or whatever that and and that can use heat uh, that can use energy made out of friction out, out of movement out of natural uses and so, in this context, I really, I really believe into that, and that's something that uh, will be very valuable for, for the future of uh, soft robotics. However, I, I don't see any uh, concrete implementation yet. I just, I have the good feeling that it's something uh, that we should more look more into it uh, from a sustainability perspective, from a material perspective, and for a user interaction perspective. But that's, yeah.
1: mm mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe a quick question. This is just something before you have been now working many years in this domain. This combining this all together. Is there something you wish to you know at the beginning to save the time? To maybe sometimes I wish I know that before and take you a longer time. Uh,
0: that's that's a good question. But you know, I I don't like like everything or nothing. You know that that I, I'm 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 very glad to have failed. I'm very glad to. Uh, to you know to have yeah to have taking like years doing stupid things because that's part of the learning process and now that's something i can i can transmit to uh, the students and that's how we build uh, how we build knowledge uh, at a society scale so th- i i never i never told myself oh i wish i knew that before also because uh, having some strong uh, a priori about technology and how we should be implemented how we should look like that's something that also is drawing you driving you away from creativity and not knowing anything about technology not knowing uh, anything about research be, being naive on some topics that's where you can make some creative contribution i'm not saying meaningful contribution but i'm saying creative contributions yeah.
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. maybe two questions left uh, for aspiration and Maybe for aspiration because you highlight many times the creative part and having accessibility for maybe expensive setup, maybe expensive equipment. Does that change the way of thinking of the design? Because
0: uh, no, it will not change because I'm, I'm, I'm. That's not because I do have a lot of. And here in my life, I do have a lot of expensive equipment. But that's that's. I'm not making research for. Like for my for 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 myself or for the paper or for the state of the art, but I'm making research for accessibility for for open source for open hardware for education, and so that's why I always try to go back to simple uh, solutions. And those days I'm even like exploring the low tech alternatives. So how can you use technology that are not powered? Uh, how can you make some some like some simple mechanical? Um, devices that were made with uh, servo motors, for instance. You can make like mechanical version of that. And so I'm even like going back to more simple and, again, uh, more resilient technologies that are something uh, deeply rooted in the, into the, the human knowledge for centuries.
1: Mm-hmm. And what is your aspiration when it looks uh what you do now? Do you have any ideas about... I don't know, any other feature or aspiration? Where do you want to go? Where What's do I want to go? Hmm.
0: Uh, uh, so uh, I'm more and more critical toward technology, the way we implement it and the way we research it those days. Because it's always not considering the resources we have in the planet. And that's that's something like, okay, we can, we can think of something thing that uses an infinite amount of motors, but we cannot build an infinite amount of motors because we have some hardware limits that are the planet hurts, and and so so I'm I'm really uh, now like I, I don't know to be honest I am I'm I'm trying to explore new ways of thinking technology, and so I don't see uh, a technological develop a strong technological development from this point now that is following the same uh, principle of research as we are used to conduct it since, since the past hundred years or so. So now I'm more thinking into what are the radical ways to rethink the futures, or what are the critical points we should investigate right now to create alternative materials or alternative robots uh, or yeah whatever, more resilient robots and so on. So, Again, uh, the, 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 the the future I see, the aspiration, it's not something that is following the current line of research we are conducting, but I want a radical change, uh, something like critical and uh, deeply refactor of the, the fabrication process or, or the understanding of
1: technology. Excellent. I love the question. Maybe if this advice was given to you and it was a life-changing advice, maybe in the career or life, and stick to your mind, this advice was truly meaningful to you. I'm not
0: sure uh, I had a strong uh, given advice, but something that stick with me, that is that's not because somebody told you you should not do that, or it's impossible to do that, that you should listen to them. And and when I built my project, I had tons of people, researchers arguing of whether I should do that or not. I should continue exploring, or telling me oh it's impossible to create what you want to create. And I kept, uh, I kept doing it anyway, and and that's something. Uh, I, that's yeah. That maybe an advice that someone gave me one day, but that's something that really stuck with me, and that's something I th- I want also to transmit and to share. Like, even me, I, can, I I am wrong when I tell my students, "Oh, you should not do it this way," but they are trying, and usually they are <laughs> they are <laughs> figuring out how to do it. So yeah, yeah. and that's that's something that's very it. important. That's something very important.
1: Yeah. Absolutely, I agree with you. I don't know if you have any final words like to say for people listening or for the community. Any final words?
0: The uh, final word. I think. I think that today it's crucial to think of the materiality of soft, soft robotics and the goals of those robotics. And the goals should not be driven towards. Should not be towards like creating new devices again, uh, or, or like enhancing, uh, advancing the whole uh, human race by introducing new technologies. But it should be more. Okay, how we can use soft robotics to to create more resilient versions of what we currently have, and that's something that that should really matters because because well we have material constraints, the time is pressing, we we will face other major issues, and if we have more resilient technologies, I think it's going to be much easier to to build and to rethink of the 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 future of manufacturing processes and that's something that should matter <music>